0: And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business.
1: Welcome to Bottom Line Faith.
2: Today's guest is Wynne Smiley, CEO of Alpha Ta Omega. edition and episode of
1: Bottom Line Faith. Well, once again, Adam, we're excited about our guest today and uh, really look forward to uh, learning a lot. Are you ready to go back to college? Uh, I I graduated not, uh, what's that called? Magna cum laude. I graduated. Thank you, Lordy. And so <laughs> I am ready to go back to school. <laughs> well, our
2: guest today
1: uh, has some college
2: connections. Uh, I was a fraternity man myself uh, back in the days, and our guest is Mr. Wynn Smiley. He's the CEO of Alpha Ta Omega National Fraternity. Wynn, thank you so much for making the time to be on Bottom Line Faith. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's great to be here. Thanks, Adam.
2: And uh, I'm always interested to talk to uh, business leaders, um, leaders in the marketplace about their faith and spirituality, and today it's going to be even more fun uh, f- for me from a collegiate perspective. I'm just such a big fan of college football and college fraternities in general, and um, memories, nostalgia from when I was in college, and it's, it's maybe not really the tip of, of people's tongues when they think of um, fraternities uh, to think of Christianity in, in the same breath. So I don't know if that's how we want to plant the seeds to start the conversation, but um, do you get that feedback when you meet people they are like, oh, you're the CEO of a national fraternity, Alpha Tau Omega, oh, you must drink a lot of beer. Yes. And you're like, actually, uh, no, we pray a lot.
0: Yeah, right. So it's always interesting to see how people respond. Uh, Oh, is that a full-time job? Oh, I bet you're really not a party. Oh, what's the break room like? (laughs) Right, how big is the kegerator? All those things, yeah. Is that really
2: your full-time job? (laughs) Oh, yeah, is that a
0: full-time job? (laughs) Like, seriously, Wynn, what do you do? Yes, yes, it is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Wynn's, I know you're really involved with uh, Christian Retreats, leading your young men, the undergraduates. So you've got a staff. How many on staff at Alpha Tau Omega? Yeah, about thirty. Thirty, and these are grown men. Grown men, uh, college
0: graduates, Yes,
2: right. And, and then you, you, I guess, sort of uh, lead the undergraduates. How many undergraduates
0: in Alpha Tau Omega? Yeah, ten thousand undergraduates. About one hundred and forty chapters across the nation. So we're we'd be considered a Division One fraternity, uh, top ten in any way you slice it, including our educational foundation. Uh, so we're um, yeah we're a major presence on college campuses
2: well as Ray likes to put it uh, bottom line faith checks under the hood if you will how do you say that Ray
1: yes uh, so this is obviously the program where we like to meet and talk with high-capacity high accomplished Christian leaders in the marketplace and kinda the old picture of lifting the hood and tinkering around the engine of Christian leadership and uh, that's what I'm looking forward to on today's show with uh, with win well shall we start with um
2: maybe a little bit of when i, I mentioned off air before we started Wynn has a, a history in radio and television you were uh, an anchor man on tv so um i'm a little uh intimidated that uh, you probably have more on air experience than i do and that, no, so I if don't you want to take so. over this interview at any point <laughs> no. just take over and i'll turn my no, microphone it's been, off. it's been a long time ago so but no, i I'll guess real quick you. uh your your christian your faith uh, journey from Yep. Yeah, so when you were a young man to now.
0: Right. Raised in uh, a home where both parents and uh, all siblings went to the local, very small United Methodist Church. Uh, my parents got involved in the Methodist renewal movement when I was in junior high, which is called Aldersgate. And um, it's a full gospel movement of, of the Methodist Church. So uh, my parents came home. I was in junior high at the time. And I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? Right. I mean, they had changed. And so Uh, That sparked interest in me into pushing more into sort of what the gospel was all about within the Methodist Church. Our church changed as well uh, in terms of really exploring sort of more of the the full gospel aspect. Uh, And so um, I guess I would, you know, my faith really sort of grew uh, in high school. went to college, joined a fraternity, and uh, pretty much put the faith thing on the back burner. It wasn't a result of joining the fraternity. I think it was just a result of uh, not feeling compelled to find a church in a college town to really engage anybody. And so I uh, did that, uh, got my degree in journalism, immediately uh, went to work uh, in a newsroom, uh, which uh, can be uh, sort of dicey, right, uh, in terms of a uh, lot, of, lot, of, lot of things swirling in a newsroom. And uh, I, I uh, would still claim my Christian faith, uh, but uh, to be a good reporter you have to be cynical, and I was a really good reporter, right? And, so,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, uh, and I also learned uh, what I would consider sort of newsroom language, which is very colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, uh, a reporter came in from another, from another market. We'd hired her from another market, and uh, we became friends, and uh, she was a Christ follower uh, and uh, cornered me one time. In an editing booth, actually, and told me that uh, she'd never met a bigger hypocrite than me. Right? Wow. Uh, and so uh, that's
1: what I said. Sounds say. like investigative journalism. <laughs> All
0: right. And so, um, so she uh, eventually convinced me to go to the church that she was attending, where I recommitted uh, my life, and that was I was in my mid twenties then. And then from that point on, I um, um, by that time in my career, I knew that I didn't want to be in. Uh, broadcasting the rest of my life. I mean, it was a great experience. I loved it. Uh, but it generally is a young person's experience because it's a grind. And I basically said, okay, what next God? And within six months, Alpha Tau Omega uh, called me out of the blue. I did not know these people and said, let's have lunch. And I thought it was for some story. And, you know, I get lots of calls. Let's have lunch when you're a reporter. And they offered me a job, uh, to be uh, director of the marketing. And, um, I initially turned it down, but um, the more that I pressed in, and I had a list of, like, things that really I needed both ATO and the station that I was currently at to sign off on. And to my amazement, uh, they did, including keeping a political talk show uh, that I had. Uh, and in the state of Illinois, politics is sort of a blood sport, right? So that was a lot of fun. Uh, and so both parties agreed that I could keep my uh, my, politi- my political show And so I joined ATO staff in about 91 and uh, realized immediately why God had led me there, because ATO is a very traditional social fraternity, just like you would see anywhere. It's not, while it is Christian-based in terms of its founding uh, principles, uh, it accepts men of any faith or no faith at all. And so it is a fraternity as is a fraternity as is a fraternity. Uh, it doesn't have a Christian moniker, but uh, I quickly learned uh, that the founder of ATO uh, was deeply religious, and that's why it's called ATO, the cross in the middle with the Alpha and the Omega on either side, right? And so it, I quickly became aware of why God led me uh, to that place. I had no idea what he wanted me to do there, uh, but that was sort of the start of um, my relationship with ATO.
2: When Smiley is our guest, CEO of Alpha Ta Omega National Fraternity, and uh, so present day it's uh college campuses the um the safe spaces it's just changed so much and i guess uh, one of my first questions is how as a man of faith with all of those undergraduates is is there is there a is it a minefield that you have to dance around to be able to talk about christian faith uh in a college setting or is it uh, hey this is ato we're a private uh, entity and we can talk whatever about whatever we
0: want yeah pretty much the latter yeah uh, we are a private entity and i think that sometimes um some of our undergraduates are a little taken aback if they hear me talk about ato but it, it we do it in a way that i don't find i don't think that people find offensive i mean we're, we're not a parachurch organization right we're not proselytizing students but we are talking about our heritage and so uh, part of my standard uh stump speech, if you will, whether it's in front of alumni or parents or undergraduates, is that, look, these are our founding principles. They are what they are. They can't change. We're proud of them. We're going to talk about them. And at the same time, we accept men of of any faith or no faith at all uh, with open arms. Uh, And we think that a fraternity chapter outside of a family is a great place to talk about important issues including issues of faith Uh, and so if you really have a strong brotherhood you can have those conversations again regardless of what faith background you're coming from Uh, and so that has produced within the organization great support right uh it just i initially thought that that might get some pushback Mm. not really Uh, i think we handle it in a way that um you know we're not trying to really convert anybody we're just trying to present the gospel uh, in a way that Glazebrook uh, had in mind when he created the organization.
2: You know, you just uh, made me think of something. When um, ha- Have you had a success story? I'll call it a success story, where a young man's uh, become a member of ATO, and he is um, not a young man of faith. And through his four-year journey in college, he gets in touch with you and writes you a letter or contacts you an email and says, Hey, Wynn, I just want to let you know, um, I've recommitted my life to Christ, and I think it was due to my experience here at ATO.
0: Yeah, we have. So, just like any campus, uh, you know, whether it's Navigators or Crew, or any other parachurch organization, um, in many cases, they have uh, students from fraternities and sororities that are part of those groups and we have ato undergraduates who in some cases go on after graduation to join as part of the ministry team and then specifically go back to their chapters and so uh, lots of folks are uh, working with the greek system and presenting the gospel and any number of uh, atos have either recommitted to their faith or found faith uh, through those efforts uh, which aren't directly related but I still hear about them, right? And so that's always exciting. And then, about uh, it's been five years, six years actually, uh, we really did something that was way out of way out of the box, and started uh, hosting not hosting, but started sponsoring um, bringing ATU undergraduates to specifically a men's retreat in Colorado that was very Jesus. And uh, we didn't bait and switch anybody. We told them, hey, this is this is what this retreat is. It's a men's retreat, and it's all about Jesus, and everybody's welcome. Uh, and so we have seen, um, as, and we do two a summer, and we've seen men who have no faith come in and say, I just want to check it out. And by the end of the retreat, they've made a decision, even though that's not part of the retreat, right? I mean, we never, as part of the retreat, say, okay, this is a time you can make a decision for Christ. It's not part of the retreat. We baptized uh, probably 25 men over the course, of, and that's not part of the retreat. I mean, it's totally spontaneous. There just happens to be a lake on the property that we use. So those, I mean, those are the kinds of stories that you know we're not twisting arms because I, I just don't think that's I just don't think that's a good way to go. Uh, and we're very upfront, right? It's like, hey, this is this is what we're doing. Uh, you're welcome to join us. Uh, don't want to freak anybody out, and uh, we've never had anyone like leave and say, oh, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> And so those kinds of stories are very much uh, to your point. Yeah, we're impacting we're impacting individuals. That is great. That is great. I love it. That's
1: very exciting stuff and I, I I hope and trust that some of our listeners right now who kind of like what you were mentioning a few moments ago Adam, you know, this whole mindset about what's going on on college campuses and the whole PC movement and you know, you can't mention absolutes in faith, but this gives us great cur- uh, great hope. This gives us great excitement to learn that uh uh, an organization is doing such a thing as ato and what i'd love to do right now if we could is let's let's crawl inside when as a leader and let's learn what's ticking around up there as a a leader so when thinking back over your career you've had you've been in this role for how long as ceo of ato yeah 20 years (laughs) 20 years and then broadcasting and other other aspects of your career uh, prior to what's the best piece of advice you were ever given in your leadership and How is it impacting you today as a leader? Yeah, I think uh, the best piece of advice
0: probably was listen, right, which is pretty standard advice. Uh, But I found that that, in terms of my leadership style, is very much collaborative. And so I will typically ask more questions uh, to find out answers, which probably doesn't surprise anybody given my – I mean, that's – I professionally – uh, cut my teeth on asking questions, right? And so, mm-hmm. uh, rarely will I make a unilateral decision. Like, as a leader, let's go. I mean, sometimes you have to do that, right? But generally speaking, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull the people in who have the insight and experience and are in, in, impacted in some cases by the decision and ask them uh, their opinion. People support what they help create. Is and then perhaps that's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten as a young leader. People support what they help create, and I uh, that fits with my personality and my leadership style and i just think
1: that that has um that has produced a lot of fruit over the years that's good stuff so people support what they help create i think if you're taking notes on the interview today that would be a a great nugget right there and so in in kind of in in a similar vein as the best advice you ever received what's as you look back over the course of your career what's the biggest mistake that you could recall making and what'd you learn from it
0: yeah so i think that i'm probably still making it from time (laughs) to time right uh i think that um uh, i can draw conclusions pretty quickly and come to my opinion of what i think is happening and then act on that and um i'm better at it right so i don't i don't uh, i don't get burned uh probably as much as i used to uh but nine eh, i don't know many times uh it I draw the wrong conclusion and then act on wrong information, and then I have to go back and sort of clean up the mess and apologize, and, right? And so I think that that is probably um, the biggest mistake uh, overtly. More covertly, um, I think it is um, not being bold when bold uh, would probably work, except it feels like that's too big of a risk. Now, if you ask my staff members, they're like, "Holy cow!" I mean, that's—I mean, we're bold all the time. <laughs> you want to get bolder, uh, but I just—I think that probably there are some there are some opportunities that have passed uh, because I wasn't willing to uh, take the risk.
1: I think I see a parallel there, back to the collaboration, but also asking a lot of questions and listening. I think those two things go go hand in hand. What are your thoughts on that, Adam? I um, also hear uh, some humility in there.
2: Because I think a lot of leaders um, in business want to quickly use their experience and their, their knowledge and know-how to assess a situation and act on their opinion, and just consequences be damned. I'm the decision maker. I'm making the decision. Yeah. Uh, it takes some humility to to say out loud that uh, we need to work on that. You know, yeah. get more information, not knee-jerk react so much, uh, form uh, a better opinion on more information, and not just. Run sort of full face uh, into a brick wall when yeah. when you keep running into the brick wall and get the same conclusion. So I, I, I hear some humility in there too.
1: Yeah. Uh, when a, a big part of our audience here at Bottom Line Faith, these are business owners, presidents, CEOs, high capacity executives, people who are hiring, you know, for their companies and their organizations and those sorts of things. So you've been in your role uh, about twenty years now. You said as CEO. What have you seen? uh, This is kind of going to be a question that's going to lead into another question. Okay, what have you seen that's changed in the character, in the decision making, the experiences, the mindset of today's college students versus when you first started 20 years ago? What's different?
0: Yeah, uh, a few things. I think the the biggest thing that I see most routinely is that um, college graduates coming out today. Now, this is a gross generalization sure, right? Sure, right 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 uh, college students coming out today versus coming out 20 years ago uh, today uh, I can go to one of them and say figure here's a problem figure it out and come back to me if you have any questions great I'm an, but you figure it out and they're sort of like well, what's my next step I'm like, I don't know what your next step is. That's yeah. what's why you have a college degree, right? <laughs> Go figure it out. And I, it, it's hard for them because, and my assessment is, they've been programmed their whole life, right, in terms of much more than you and I probably were growing up and Adam growing up. I mean, everything from the time um, they've been in, you know, club sport. I mean, everything, right, It's just been sort of laid out for them. And I hear that from their parents, too. So today versus 20 years ago, uh, I'll hear from parents more often on things that I would have never told my parents about in college, just because I can—I I don't need their advice on this—and yeah. and I think—and I think actually, honestly, I think the cell phone has a lot to do with that too. Because I remember once a week, I'd call my every Sunday night. I'd call my parents, and long distance was expensive, right? And so that's the only time I talked to them. And I think the cell phone has really facilitated uh, students and parents continuing to stay in touch daily and and
1: multiple times a day. And and I think that that sort of facilitates that as well. So I've heard it described that uh, perhaps we're seeing a a downgrading, a little bit of critical thinking and problem-solving skills. Uh, I was talking recently to a a researcher who was talking about they were seeing measurable differences. And uh, he kind of laid it out this way. He said, think about how answers are found today. No question is you you type it into the, the, the bar on your search engine and you get your answer. You know, used to you'd get the encyclopedias out and you'd go to the library and you'd have multiple sources, but now it's, hey, what's the first two answers on your Google page? Right. And I think that's what I'm hearing you kind of lay out is that some of that has been lost through technology perhaps
0: right through no fault of their own right, right. i mean that's right. you and i would do the same thing if we're right so we don't use slide rules anymore we use calculators why well because we have a calculator to use why use a slide rule so i don't fault them at all that's right i just think that it's tough for them to move into a professional role where that's expected i mean it's a, it's a new concept in many cases again gross over generalization but it's a new concept and it, to help them work through that Now, I'll say they pick it up very quickly. These folks are not, you know, they're not stupid. They're bright. They're bright people. Uh, And so they can pick it up. Uh, But that is definitely
1: a a change that I've seen. Yeah, and that's really a perfect setup because the the next question I wanted to ask is, as I said, you know, a big portion of our audience are executives, owners, they're hiring people, and they're always looking for that next generation of talent and succession planning in their leadership teams. So what advice, what counsel would you have for Let's say that the older folks, kind of like, you know, even though we're on an audio program here, we're not 25 years old, any of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's some, right, yeah. <laughs> so what would you say to those leaders who are needing to hire and develop next-gen talent? How can they take today's generation and develop them to the leaders they need them to be?
0: Yeah. generally speaking, I think that uh, students today and new college graduates uh, like autonomy, so... Uh, They want to – they're more entrepreneurial uh, in their thinking. They like – they don't like to be micromanaged. Who does? But them especially. Mm -hmm. But yet they also want structure, right? And so to find the balance and to basically, uh, in many cases, they're going to have to be coached. Uh, And there's some remedial work as well. I mean, the ability – my observation is the ability of college graduates today uh, to write a business letter, very difficult. Uh, and so there are some re, just some communication types of things because they're used to Twitter, uh, they're used to texting, all those kinds of things, all great stuff, great communication stuff, but in a business aspect, um, that can't be the only kind of communication, and so they have to learn, mm-hmm. and they have to be taught by their employer, first employer typically, uh, how to do those kinds of things.
1: Well, I was in a conversation this morning and it, it, with some business leaders, we were having a very similar topic, and it's very easy for us to – blame these young folks, to fault them and say this and say that, but we have to look squarely in the mirror because we're the ones that have parented, we're the ones that have created this environment, but it really is on us, isn't it, as leaders to develop this next generation of leader.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that that's really changed over the years. I just think that the kinds of things that we have to be teaching are different today. I think that given the technology and all of the labor-saving devices that are presented, it would be virtually impossible not to anticipate that it would have come out differently, right? And so, uh, I just, I just think it's, it's the way that we are operating in, in this world, uh, and we have to uh, take that into account. The Z generation mm-hmm. just entered their freshman year in college, right, back in August. So the Z generation has begun, from my perspective. Uh, and we don't know a whole lot about them. I've heard, I've heard, uh, seminars, uh, that are the continuum of, well, they're this, you know, uh, and then I hear another seminar, well, they're not this, they're this. It's like, so I think it's too early to really know what they are. Uh, but I do believe that they are even more independently minded. Uh, 73% in a recent survey said they wanted to create their own degree as an undergraduate, right? So, uh, that's, uh, I mean that's impossible for colleges to, <laughs> right? But that's what they want to do, right? And so, uh, so anyway, I just I think that this trend
1: is going to continue. Yeah, and my 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 reading indicates there's 1.3 million more of Generation Z than there are Millennials, so they're right on the heels, and so it's amazing. I want to major
2: in um, football
1: and French fries. That's <laughs> right, my uh, right. my
2: diploma say right. football and French fries. Why not? Yeah. You mentioned uh, it's crazy, and I don't. you don't think about these things until you hear somebody say it, but the cell phone and how much it's changed, you know, uh, how they talk to their parents, and talking to their parents three or four times a day means that maybe they're not as independent as, as uh, you and I would have been f- coming through college 20, 30 years ago. My fraternity had a payphone yeah. in the lobby, right. and my mom and dad had to call the payphone to talk to me. Yeah, And it was somebody would yell down from the lobby, Hey, Adam, your mom's on the yeah. phone, and I'd have to go down to the lobby yeah. to talk to my mom.
0: Yeah, yeah we and had so, phone duty. Yeah, yeah phone had, duty. Yeah, right.
2: So the whole rest of the yeah. week, I had to figure out how to do things. Right. Instead of being like, oh, Google's not working. I'm not finding the answer I need. I'll just call mom. That's amazing <laughs> how that just that image jumped in my head as soon as you said... Yeah, we had phones. We had to talk to our parents once a week back then. Now it's three times a day.
1: You know what's scary, Adam? We're all starting to sound like our grandparents right now.
0: (laughs) I feel like I'm 100 years old. Well, I was just going to say,
1: my father, when he went to college,
0: was dropped off by his mother at the street... Uh, in front of the house that he lived in, and he saw her again at Christmas. Right? I mean, so they thought that we were. What do you mean you call once a week? Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is great. Hard to believe we're we're nearing the end of our program already. This half hour just flies by. It yeah. never ceases to amaze. And so, um, when one of the, the the really key foundational questions that we like to ask here at Bottom Line Faith is, we we call this the the, the four twenty three question. It's based out of Proverbs four twenty three. And um, where the scripture says that uh, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. Uh, We know that Solomon penned those words. Um, We talk about this on every one of our Bottom Line Faith interviews. Uh, There are some biblical scholars that believe those were some of the last words he wrote, perhaps on or near his deathbed. And so kind of picture he's gathering around his loved ones, his friends, his family, and he's saying, look, I've written all this wisdom. That we find in Proverbs, but now above all else, I want you to listen to this big key point. Above all else, and his answer is guard your heart, because out of that everything in life flows. So, when let's let's forward time to whatever, and you're at the end of your time this side of eternity, and you've gathered your friend, friends, and loved ones around. What's your above all else advice for our listeners today? Above all else, right. Above, above
0: all else, uh, run to the cross uh, even when you don't feel like you deserve to. Even when you might think, oh, I just really screwed up and I need to beat myself up a little while before Jesus will hear me. It's like, no, don't do that, right? Run to his feet um, as quickly as you can. Why waste the time between the time that you have really screwed up and the time that you're at Jesus' feet? So I think that um, the, the men's retreat that I described earlier that we're bringing uh, ATOs to, uh, I went to as, as part of just a man's retreat, uh, men's retreat. And, uh, one of the things that, that was so powerful was just the, the power of worship, uh, the power of his grace and mercy and how that is really the transforming power of, um, uh, Christianity of, of being a, a Christ follower. Uh, certainly we're not perfect. And I think that I used to very much, um, feel like I needed to pay penance um, before I could, well, I, I, this is the 120th time I've screwed up. Right. And Jesus is just like, he's got to have his arms crossed going, rolling his eyes. And it's like, nope, he's got his arms wide open, run back into his embrace.
1: That's really fantastic advice, you know, that running to the cross. And last thing is, as we close up here. So I think that advice that you have shared is so powerful that it's okay to be broken. In fact, we're all broken. We need to embrace our brokenness because Jesus already is. And you're reminding us today, run to the cross. Don't cower back in shame. Right. Why waste that time? Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Run run to his feet. I love it. And earlier you said, I should have wrote it down. I loved how when you were describing the uh, retreat and you don't, you know, you're not uh, misinforming anybody that's going to go. This is not a trip to go mountain. Bike or uh, mountain bike or ski. This is um, we're going to pray, and it's all about Jesus. H- how'd you say that? You said it's all Jesus. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's Jesus. all Jesus.
0: We're going to talk about Jesus. It's so, all Jesus, right? And if you want to, if you <laughs> want to, if that. you want to talk about that, great. Just so, and even if you don't, if you want to come, great. Just know that that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to a lake,
1: and hey, it's all Jesus. I love that. Not religion. It's all Jesus. Adam, closing thoughts.
2: When Smiley uh, has been our guest, and uh, I know. From uh, looking at your website and knowing your broadcast background, um, Alpha Tau Omega is very uh, forward-thinking in how you reach out to members and undergraduates and, um, uh, and, and your staff through your own – it's not even really a website. It's kind of like your own TV channel. Are there any sort of uh, links that you'd like to share with our listeners right now through uh, the Alpha Tau Omega
0: digital properties? Sure, yeah. ETO.org is always available, and that will really take you everywhere. I think you want to see uh, college students who are really doing some incredible things. Uh, ATORoadshow.org uh, really shows our undergraduates raised over $9 million for local charities last year in, uh, you know, hundreds of, of projects. And so I just, I think that our, our members are doing incredible things on campus. Sometimes they do incredibly stupid things. Uh, <laughs> but, that, you know, that's sort of college uh,